morning, Upward family. Great to see all of you today. How is everybody today? Doing well? Great. Fantastic. Let's welcome our online audience. It's so good to have you guys. You're part of our family. Everywhere I go, everywhere I go, people come up to me and uh, they say, we're part of Upward Online and it's so good to meet you and it's uh, good to have y'all with us today. You're part of the family. So good to have everybody here today. We're in part three of our series called Arrows and we're talking about children as arrows from Psalm 127. Uh, Solomon said, happy is the man who has a quiver full of arrows, meaning a bunch of kids and their arrows because we're aiming them towards a target that God has set for their lives. We're drawing back. We've learned some good things about it. We've learned that the Lord must be the center of our homes if we're going to raise our children for Jesus. He must be the center of our homes. We've learned to live in the tension between setting limits and giving freedom. Everybody draw that bow back with me. There's a tension between setting limits and giving freedom. We've also learned to live in the tension between discipline and relationship. We've learned to do that. Today we're going to talk about one of the most difficult seasons of parenting that I think was uh, one of the hardest for Alexa and I as we let our kids go. You draw back that arrow and you live in that tension and it's hard and it's tough and you've got to be strong to do it but you pull that arrow back in that tension and all of a sudden this moment is upon you that you knew was coming but you weren't quite ready for. It seems to have come much faster than you anticipated. You've lived in this tension and all of a sudden there's some hints that it's coming but it still comes really quickly. It's time to let that arrow fly, to release that arrow and let them fly out towards the target that God has put into their lives. If you've not been through this season, I want to help you navigate that just a little bit. If you're still navigating that release and in the middle of it, I want to help you to get through it with victory. Let's look at Psalm 127 and verse 5. Let's read it together this morning. You want to read with me today? Solomon said, how joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. That's children. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Solomon says it's a joy to have a whole bunch of kids. You're supposed to say amen. You're not supposed to laugh. <laughs> have I not trained you better than that? <laughs> it's a joy to have a whole bunch of kids. And I'm talking to some who are exhausted mothers who said, I've just got too many this morning. We've got a couple families in the church that have multiple, I mean, approaching eight and ten children. A couple families like that, and that's a whole lot of kids. You might want to ask them. If it's a joy to have a quiver full of children. No, Solomon says it is a joy to have a quiver full of children. To have a lot of kids is a lot of fun. It's an adventure. It's a task. Sometimes it feels like a burden. You won't say amen to that, but I'm going to say it for you. Sometimes it's a heavy burden, but it is an incredible joy. Then Solomon says something that may be difficult for us to understand in our day. He said that the person with godly children, godly eras, will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. What we need to understand is that in Solomon's day, the city gates were the place where they held court. 
It was the place where public business was done. And if you were accused of wrongdoing, you would go to the city gates and stand before the city elders and make your case and hopefully win your case and be proved innocent of whatever you were accused of. What Solomon says is this, and this is what I believe it means. Solomon is saying that when you send those arrows out, when you have a quiver full of arrows that you've lived in the proper tension and you've aimed them in the right direction and you release them out into their own lives, their lives will bring honor to you as they live on. We talked about early in this series that children are our greatest legacy that we leave behind. The human beings that follow us and walk in our footsteps for the rest of their lives are our greatest legacy. And Solomon says that is true. When you're accused later in life, your children will speak for you. Some of you look a little scared at that thought today. They'll bring honor to you. And what greater goal could we have as parents as to send out children who will live lives of honor that glorify Jesus Christ? I'm going to stop and I'm going to say this again right now because I feel compelled to. Forget about how much money they're going to make. I said forget about it. Well, preacher, money make no. Money don't make the world go round. Jesus holds the world in his hands and he makes it go round. They can have all the money in the world, friend, And if they don't have Jesus, their lives are going to be miserable. Do not set your children up for academic success. Do not set them up for financial success. Those things are good primarily. Don't set them up for that. You set them up to know Jesus Christ and to love him and to fulfill God's plan in their lives. That's what we're called to do. And if you make that your priority in life, I'm going to just stop and say it again. Forget about the money. Forget about the brand name college. Forget about all the other things. You raise your kids to love Jesus Christ before everything else, and they're going to have a good and a happy life. I didn't say it always be safe. I didn't say it always be comfortable. Raise them for Jesus. You want them to bring joy to your life? Raise them for Jesus. Now, I'm going to tell you a story, and it sounds like I'm bragging on me, and maybe I am, but I don't mean this to be arrogant. Uh, My wife and I raised two wonderful kids, and we are so proud of them, so proud of them. I was being interviewed a couple of years ago to serve on a board here in our community, and they had invited me to come in, and I sat before the board as a potential candidate to serve on the board, and one lady said something that made was my one of my most proud parenting moments. She said this. She said, Anthony, I don't really know you, but I want you on this board because I know your children, and I'm like, Yes, I came home and I told my wife that. I came home and I told my kids that. What Solomon is saying is raise them. I know he's in the Old Testament, but he said raise them for Jesus. All the Old Testament points to Jesus. Raise them for Jesus and you get to have beautiful moments like that. Amen. But in order for them to live lives that honor God, here's the hard part. You got to let them go you got to let that arrow fly. That arrow is not going to hit the target if it's still in your bow. If that arrow is still in the quiver, it can't hit the target that God wants it to hit. Now, I mentioned to you how hard this was for Alexa and I. It was so difficult for me. The most emotional time of my life, and I'm not a highly emotional person, 
I rarely, if ever, cry. I rarely cry. I don't know uh, if you cry all the time. Some of y'all cry every day. <laughs> Some of y'all cry when you're happy. I do not understand that at all. I'm not making fun of y'all. I just don't understand why in the world you'd want to cry when you're happy. My wife happy cries. You're not supposed to cry when you're happy. You're supposed to smile. I just don't cry. I just, I just don't. Things do not make me cry. They can make me angry. I can get my feelings hurt. I can get bitter. I can get rude when I'm hurt. But I just don't cry. It's not my default setting. But oh, when my kids left home. We used to pray with them at night when they'd go to bed. And I remember thinking about it. We'd pray with them at night and hug them and kiss them. And I would often think this thought, this is not going to last forever. There's an illusion to parenting that I want you to understand. There, there's this illusion when you have little kids at home. It almost feels like that's your life from now on. But it's not. They're leaving. I said they're leaving. I can hear some thoughts out there saying, when, preacher, when? Please give me a date. When? When are they leaving? Is this a personal guarantee? They're growing up. And the relationship's going to change. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. This was the first time I've ever experienced this, that my body knew I was grieving before my mind did. Anybody ever experienced that? Let me tell you what it's like. In the weeks leading up to when my son was going off to college, he's the oldest, he was the first one to launch. In the weeks leading up to it, I could feel something happening in my stomach. And I thought I was sick. I thought I'd eaten something. And it wouldn't go away. I had this weight and this heaviness. And we decided, uh, big last hurrah, we're going to take a family beach trip and we're going to rent a house at the beach and we're all going out there. And it's the week before Michael launches off to college. He's leaving home and that whole week, my stomach got worse and worse and worse. It just kept hurting worse and worse. And I thought, what is wrong with me? I'm sick. And I just felt it inside. Then it crept up into my heart, in my chest. And I just started feeling like something in there was going to burst. And I went for a long walk on the beach, and I prayed about it. And I realized, my boy's leaving home next week. My baby boy's leaving home. And I walked back into the house, and I remember I went up, and I went into the bathroom. And again, I don't cry much, so I don't know how to deal with this. I burst into tears, and I mean, whoosh. when you don't cry a lot, it's weird when it happens. Okay? That happened the rest of that week. And when you don't cry a lot, you don't want anybody to see you crying. So I went to the bathroom a lot. Then the next week came, and we took him to school, and oh, we let him go. And I'm going to tell you, I made a scene. <laughs> we non-criers, when it happens, we make it count. I made a scene. And in the months that followed, every time we'd go see him and leave, I did the same thing. There was a road that led away from his dorm at Liberty University back to the main road. We called it heart, uh, no, we called it the, tra I started to say Heartbreak Hill. That was the first one. Don't name things like this. But I called that road the Trail of Tears because I could barely see going down that road every time. It was so hard. The launch was so emotional, and I was not ready for that. Can I tell you something? That's totally okay. 
is totally okay. And it's totally natural. When a season of your life passes, you have to grieve that season. I'm giving you extra stuff here today, but seasons come and go in life. And there are just some days that you cross a line and it will never be the same again. It just won't. There's no way to get back into that. There's no way to get back and bring them home again. They're grown-ups now. You don't want them at home again. (laughs) You can't make them little again. You can't make them dependent on you again like that. You're not going to dress them in the morning and comb their hair and send them off to school. That part of your life is over. And it stinks. Because you love that. You love the little kitties. Here's what I want you to hear today. It is part of your divine assignment to let your children go. God's called you to do that. Way, way back in Genesis, second chapter of the Bible, when uh, God put Adam and Eve together, he created Adam and Eve and made them one. And he said this, Genesis 2.24 said, A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. This was God's plan for the ver- from the very beginning was from, for children to leave mom and dad and find a husband or a wife and become one and create a whole new family unit that in many ways is independent from the other family unit. I like the King James Version a little better because it rhymes. said, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. I can't tell you how many sermons and lessons I've heard on leave and cleave. They're going to leave. Part of your divine assignment is to send them out. And it's not easy. You're going to move through a lot of seasons in your life. They're going to come and go. Can I throw this in for free? I'm giving you all extra stuff today. The other services may not get this, so you might want to say thank you. (laughs) Nobody. Zero. Nobody said thank you. All right. Next week's going to be on thankfulness and gratefulness. Forget Mother's Day. I'm going to teach y'all how to be thankful next week. Can I say this? The season of childhood is going to pass out of your life. Can I say this, Mom and Dad, this is extra and this is free. If you build your whole life around the children, you don't have anything left when they're gone. So stop it right now. If your whole life is them, if you have a child-centric home and everything revolves around that child, it ought to be a Jesus-centric home, then Mom and Dad's marriage comes after that. And then the kids come after that. Because if your whole life is built on taking care of those kids, they're going to leave and you're going to look over there and say, who are you? And how do I even relate to you? Mom and dad, take a date night. Get a babysitter. Where can I find a babysitter? Right here. Right here and up. I don't mean here. I mean (laughs) out there. Out there. find another family you love and trust that has young children you know what you do you watch theirs they watch yours amen amen that's really good preaching there and i'm not charging you for that 
Take on your divine assignment to let them go. But here's what you got to do. When it's time to leave, let them leave. Oh, can I tell you something else? This week, two days, my daughter's moving away. Doesn't get easier. You know, they come and go all the time. You'll shoot an arrow out, and it'll turn around and come back. Then you'll launch it again. Happens all the time. You know, the first time you shoot that arrow out, they go to kindergarten. You send them out. My wife cried when Michael and Daniela went to kindergarten like they were leaving forever. And they went to a half-day kindergarten. I said, babe, let's go eat breakfast, and they'll be done. What are you crying for? Did you see him walking with his little backpack? I'm like, sure. At that point, I didn't cry. I needed a break. She bawled. They come back. They get their driver's license, and they drive away the first time. That was a big thing. I'm like, whoa, they're loose now. My heart is on wheels. They go to college. Finally, they get married, hopefully and prayerfully. They're going to leave. You've got to let them leave. Your days as a daily supervisor of your children's lives are over. Your days of knowing where they are at every moment are over. You know, that's one of the biggest things when Michael left off for college. For his whole life, I had known exactly where he was for every minute. I knew what he ate. I knew what he was doing. And he went off. I'm like, where's he at? When they left home, you know one of the things I missed the most? Calling them in the house. When, when Michael and Daniela left, I didn't say their name as much. And when they came home and I said, Michael, it felt so good. When it's time for them to go, you have to let them go. You have to let them go. Because if you try to parent them as little children when they get married, they're not going to like it. Your relationship with them is going to go down. You're going to interfere with their marriage. If you don't let them leave, they can't cleave. Amen, amen, amen. Good preaching, Pastor Andy. At this point, it's not about your need to be a parent anymore. One of the things, and I, I think I can say this, my wife is, man, I, I, I just hit the jackpot with a wife. She is the best. One of the things I did not realize that if you're not married yet, I want you to remember this, that person you married is going to be the father or mother of your children. Very important. I didn't even think about that. But I hit the jackpot with a mom. My, my, my wife is the greatest mom to our children. She loved them so much. You know, she struggled when they left. She really did. She struggled because her identity had been mom. Your identity becomes that. Can I tell you something? You have to let that go. And you have to find your identity in Jesus. You'll always be their mother. You'll always be their father. But it won't be the same as when they're home. And if you don't make up your mind right now to let that go and to move on, you're going to make some big mistakes and hurt them and hurt you.
damage your relationship with them and their relationship with their spouse. You must let them fly. How do you do this? This is especially true when they get married. When they're coming and going and they're discovering life, you're in that transition time. When they get married, they have officially left home. And they have officially started their own family life. I realize I'm preaching this message on some old-fashioned values that I still believe are true today, as true as they ever were. I realize people may say in 2023, this is not as relevant. It's still truth. Okay? Some of you may be struggling with kids who won't quite leave. Sometimes those eras, you got to pull a little harder on the bow and say, there's two sides to this whole thing. When they get married, they're married, and it's time for them to have a family independent of your family. My grandpa Proctor, I love him. Oh, goodness. If y'all didn't know Sam Proctor, y'all missed out on something. He, he came to this church before he died. He was in this building. I, I, I love that memory. And some of my cousins watch online. There'll be some people online that remember Sam Proctor so well. Greatest man that ever lived. Tightest man that ever lived. My grandpa didn't spend a penny. He didn't have to. He broke toothpicks in half. There was a time that Burger King sold cheeseburgers for a quarter. I mean, this was just when I was young. They did a special and sold cheeseburgers for a quarter. My papa bought 68 of them and froze them. (laughs) And every time we went to their house, they thawed out a cheeseburger and we ate one. He had this thing figured out. Godly man. His oldest daughter got married when she was 16, and uh, they were at the wedding, obviously, and they went somewhere. I don't know the full story, but they went somewhere after the wedding, and his daughter came to him and said, Dad, will you buy me a Coke? And my papa said, Ask your husband. <laughs> that is family legend. You know, there's some wisdom in that. Because what he established with her immediately, not that he would never help her again, because he was always helping people, me included. But he was essentially saying, you're looking to him now and not to me. You are a family now on your own. And I'm not only going to let you do that, I'm going to push you towards that. That has to come into play in our lives. We got to let them go. How do we do that? Number one, set good boundaries. The boundaries are different once they're gone. Boundaries on giving advice. The biggest mistake that you can make as a parent of a married child is this. Two words. You ready? You ready? Unsolicited advice. I'm going to say it again unsolicited advice. They don't care how you did it. They don't care how you think it ought to be done. See, you're used to this. You're used to giving them daily direction. You say, don't touch that. Don't go there. If you do this, you'll get hurt. That all has to change when they move out. They don't want to hear how you would do it. 
They don't want to hear how you clean house. If you go in there and wipe dust off a table, we're going to get you. Don't do that. Don't look around and say, well, this should be there. And if you really want this to work, you should do that. Don't go into their house and start rearranging the furniture. Anybody ever seen uh, Everybody Loves Raymond? Oh, I love that show. Don't be Frank and Marie. Do not give your opinion on everything. Button your lip and keep it buttoned. And do not give advice until it is asked for. Now, your children should learn to appreciate your wisdom. You know how it is when you're 12, your parents don't know anything. When you're 35 and get your first kid, they are really much smarter. If you'll keep your mouth shut, maybe, maybe they'll come and ask you for some of your wisdom. But don't give advice. You're no longer their trainer. I've said this before many, many a time. God didn't call you when they're young to be your kid's friend. He called you to be their parent. You're not their buddy. When they're little, if you try to buddy them and be their friend, you won't do your, their job. You won't do what God's called you to do because you're trying to be friends. When they're little, you got to make them mad sometimes. When they leave home, that's when you want to be their friend. And friends don't offer advice unless it's asked for. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor Andy. The people that have tried it have learned that that's good preaching. It's one of the quickest ways you can turn off your child is by telling them things they don't want to hear. Boundaries on visiting them. Go back to Frank and Marie. They just show up whenever they want to. The door bursts open and there they are. Go to their home when you're invited. I feel like I'm meddling, but I feel like I need to. Their house is not your house. I go to my son's house every Monday morning and we record a podcast. You should listen to it, by the way. We recap these things and answer questions. I ring the doorbell every time I go. I don't open the door. I don't go looking around to see how things are. I go when I'm invited because that's his home and his family. He's not my little boy anymore. He's my son. He's also my friend. And I respect his boundaries. Boundaries on counseling. I'm giving you all kind of stuff here today. You can't counsel your children's marriage. Fight me on that one. You can't counsel your children's marriage. Do not, they'll try this, do not let them come home with marriage problems and get your input. Because you are biased. Unless you're one in a million, get them some good counsel from somebody independent of you. Get them, help them. If you want to pay for it, do it. But don't get in the middle of their marriage because the other one's going to resent you and you're liable to resent them too. Oh, just pearls of wisdom dripping down from heaven this morning. I know y'all were loving this. Here's another one. First of all, set good boundaries. Second of all, and this is a tough one for some people, love their spouse. 
I not only hit the jackpot with a wonderful wife, I hit the jackpot with a wonderful daughter-in-law. I don't even like the term daughter or son-in-law. Makes it sound like it's a legal obligation. When my son got married, we literally gained another daughter into our family. And her wonderful parents treat my son just like their son as well. They're in the family. They're a son and a daughter. And it's easy for me to love my daughter-in-law. Some of you, it's not as easy for you to love because they give challenges. Because maybe at this point, they're not going in the direction you think they ought to go. Let me tell you something. That's still your son and still your daughter. They may have chosen someone that you would not have chosen. You make every, every effort to love that person with all of your heart. Even though you might not, can I just say this? Nobody's good enough for your kids. They're never going to be. Especially that little girl. Nobody's good enough for my baby girl. Right? You love that spouse with all your heart. Even if it's a challenge. Because you want your son or your daughter to know you've put forth every effort to care for them and love them and receive them into your family. I need four more hours to finish this message. Here's your ministry now. You stay out of their way. You love them and support them. And you pray for them. When that arrow flies... You turn into an intercessor. You know what an intercessor is? It's a person who prays on behalf of another person. And can I just tell you something? Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. My dad will be here this morning. I don't know if he's here yet. He'll be here this morning. My mom was a little church girl. My dad was party guy. My mom raised in church. My dad never went to church. My dad only went to VBS. My dad was an alcoholic when he was a young man. Mom, little church girl. They met on a blind date. And my mom's parents said, no way. My mom's mom specifically said, you're not marrying that boy. My grandma. Guess what mom did anyway? I look at their wedding picture sometimes, and they're all standing there. Both my sets of grandparents are there. And I look at my grandma's face in that picture, and I'm like, what must she have been thinking? Because her little church girl was marrying this guy who had some problems. You know what my grandma decided to do? She really did. This is absolutely true. She decided to start praying for my dad. She prayed and she prayed and she prayed. My dad walked into the house one day a couple years after they got married and told my mom, I'm done with alcohol. He told me this story. He wasn't even saved yet. He said, I drove by the place where I used to stop and buy it on the way home from work, and I just decided to keep driving. My grandma kept praying. 
one day my mom and dad decided to go to church and I was a little baby and my dad found a relationship with Jesus Christ I preached my grandma's funeral the most godly lady I ever knew and my dad stood up at her grave and said if it wasn't for this woman I'd be dead and in hell right now can I tell you something when you pray for your children God moves you don't have your hands on them and direct involvement but let me tell you when you pray things happen things happen let's pray right now Jesus thank you for today thank you for your word to us thank you for these arrows that you've given us and God it's time to release the time's coming to release give us your grace give us your wisdom help us to hear your word to hear your heart and to find your truth today and live it out in Jesus name Amen. The Bible says this. Here's your blessing today. You ready? The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Will you do this? You've got to invite this. God just doesn't do it. Will you invite the Lord to order your steps this week? To guide you to the right places? To guide you away from the wrong places? To the right people away from the wrong people? Will you invite him to do that? Lord, right now in Jesus' name, I speak your word over this congregation, over this online audience. God, our steps are ordered by you as we walk in your righteousness, and we invite you today to just come in, order our steps this week and forward. In Jesus' name, amen. I commission you now. Go out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Make Jesus known all over this community. Love you so much. You be blessed. Thank you for being here.